Praise God. All right, well, today I, uh, I am preaching a message uh, I preached a few times. I don't often preach a, a recycled message, but this message I just feel is, is so unique, and, uh, and what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to the road at, I think we are so uh, hardwired to that probably by the time you leave here today, you'll go right back into old patterns and thoughts and, and habits. And uh, I, want to, I want to just maybe offer something for you to think about and study scripture about, um, because I believe this is very, very important. If you are concerned for our country, uh, the amount of division, the amount of what is becoming lawlessness in our country, if you are concerned about uh, you know, racial uh, division and all of those things, what I'm going to speak about today is at the root of much of that. If you are concerned about uh, you know, different ideologies making their way into our system of governance in America, you know, um, what I'm speaking about today is at the root of that. And, uh, and so I would encourage you to, uh, to pay close attention. We're going to uh, just read a, a story from Matthew chapter 20 and verses 1 through 16. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not going to try to exposit this. I'm, I'm just going it's, to, it's going to illustrate a point. I may, again, direct our attention back to it uh, in a little bit. But um, I want you to read this and I want you to understand something about the nature of God that you may not yet fully understand or comprehend. You may have read, read this story at some time and thought, wow, that's really odd um, that uh, the God would be like that. But we're going to read it here and starting at verse 1, Matthew chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven, okay, so this is what, this is what the kingdom, this is how the kingdom operates. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, that's a day's wage in that context, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And at about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. And they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, am I, do I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. 
for many are called, but few chosen. So you are the workers of the vineyard. You were hired in the first hour of the day, and you agreed for a day's wage, a denarius. You have worked all day. You have borne the heat of the day. You have done the most work. You have produced the most result. And as you watch, to your astonishment, people who walked in at the last hour hardly did any work. They're in the cool of the day. They received a denarius. You're thinking, one hour a denarius? 12 hours? <laughs> this is going to be a payday. And you get to finally the front of the line because you were last to be paid, and you receive a denarius, which is what you agreed to. What do you want to say? What's just bursting in your chest right now? That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. And, of course, you know, in the, in the parable, the Jesus story that Jesus is telling here, uh, he is the vineyard owner. God is the vineyard owner. And the workers in the vineyard are you and I. And the reward for those who've worked in the vineyard across the board is a denarius. The idea and concept of fairness, and, and hear me, I'll probably make you mad here in the next minute or two, okay? So... If you like being offended, if you like being mad, you've come to the right place, okay? Um, I hope that I can convey to us something that will help change your thinking and how you understand and how you interpret the world around us. Um, most of us have been deceived. Most of us operate, you know, we, we think as, you know, we're Christians, we've invited Christ to be our Savior and Lord, we've received forgiveness of our sin and eternal life, but we still think in unchristian ways. And that's because of the culture around us, not because you know, we're, we're trying to be unchristian or anything like that, but we have been hardwired all of our life to be fair. Isn't that true? And fairness is an interesting concept. Uh, we think, oh yeah, fair. You know, it's like, you know, you and me the same, and, and that's fair. But that's not fair. You know, you just saw an example of it. You and me the same. Everybody got the denarius. And what? Not fair. And you know what? You're 100% right. And let me say this, is that God is not fair. Never has been fair, never will be fair. God is not fair. We apply fairness in a very haphazard, weird, arbitrary way. Um, we just apply fairness to things that we are envious of. We see somebody has something that we want, all of a sudden, hey, that's not fair. I should have what they have, and I should, you know, that would be fair. You know, it's interesting, uh, growing up in my family home, uh, didn't happen very often, thankfully, uh, but every once in a while, my mother would serve us liver and onions. Okay, liver and onions. I don't know how you feel about liver and onions. It was not my favorite, okay? Um, and I never one time complained, never once. My brother got more liver and onions. He got a bigger piece of liver, a, more, a bigger pile of onions than I did. And I never once complained about that. I never said, it's not fair. He's got more liver. He's got more onions than I do. Never once said about that. Why? Because I don't care. But when it came to cake, I cared. <laughs> That's not fair. Bigger piece of cake. See, 
the, the idea of fairness has no standard. It has no, no anchor to it. It moves. <laughs> and it only applies when we are envious. Why would I be concerned about my brother having a bigger piece of cake? Because I want that bigger piece of cake. Or, you know, it's like maybe he got the corner with all the frosting on it, you know? And, uh, and that's not fair, you know? I got the middle with just the little thin frosting on top, and he got the corner. It's not fair. I want what he has. I want his to be mine. And, and that's really the basis of what fairness is all about. And, and as a people, as a human beings, we're hardwired to think that life should be fair. And guess what? It is not. And you know why it's not? Because God is, is not fair. We do not serve a fair God. Now, I've really got you mad, don't I? Right? I'll, I'll, I'll resolve this in a minute, so hang on. Just put your offense down for a minute, okay? God is not fair. You can just tell your pers- the person next to you, turn to them and say, God is not fair, okay? Let's just establish that. God is not fair. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody who's better looking than you, that's not fair, right? It's obvious that God is not fair. You are better looking than I am, and that's not fair. Uh, You may be sitting next to a person who has no hair, and you have hair, and that's not fair. We people with hair look at you with no hair and think, that's not fair. You can just get up in the morning and go. We have to stand there and wash our hair and dry our hair and comb our hair. It's just not fair that you don't have any. Not fair. Not fair at all. You know, you think, wow, you're big. You know, you can play basketball. You know, you can can stand in the kitchen and just change a light bulb anytime you want. Not fair. Not fair. And you know what I say? You're little and tiny and you fit in an airplane seat and I don't. (laughs) It's not fair. It's not fair. I spent 10 hours in a too small airplane seat yesterday. The, the, the idea of fairness has no definition. You cannot define what is fair. You can't. It moves. It changes. What's fair today is not fair tomorrow. You cannot make a, a, a decision today that this will be the standard of fairness because tomorrow we'll wake up and we'll want to change it because that isn't fair. You can give me any definition of fairness today, and all I have to do to scramble that and to undo that is to say, well, that's not fair, because fairness is only in the eyes of the beholder, is it not? And even if you and I come to an agreement on what is fair, it is only for that one time and for that one place and that one issue, and then we move on. So, Jesus tells this story to illustrate something really important for us, is he is not fair, never has been fair, never will be fair. Maybe that scares you a little bit. Is, Jesus, is God arbitrary? Does he just like, you know, willy-nilly? Absolutely not. We have bought into the fairness virtue. You know, really, when it comes down to sin at all, we could, we could go back to the original sin. Adam and Eve in the garden, looking at the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, And the serpent beguiling Eve basically said, you know what? It's not fair (laughs) that God put this off limits. That's not fair. Because if you did eat of that, all this wonderful stuff would happen to you. 
yeah, you're right. That's not fair. I'm going to get my peace too. And we've been living with fairness ever since. How do you like it? How do you like it? Fairness is not a Christian virtue. It's not a biblical value. Fairness has nothing to do with God. It's just a, a, something we conjure up in our own minds. It's not something we should fight for. It's not a value that is good or right. Fairness is the seed of destruction to anything that is good in your family. Uh, the, the perception of fairness or unfairness can destroy your family. The perception of fairness and unfairness can destroy marriage. The perception of fairness or unfairness can divide a church. All we have to say is, that isn't fair. And destruction happens. What's happening in our country right now? A lot of envy going on. That what you have is what I want. It's not fair. You know, we can, this is, I'm, I'm setting this up in, with this message for messages I'll begin next Sunday on the subject of offense. And in the perception of fairness or unfairness is at the root of every offense that we face. And offense is something that God doesn't participate in. I'll tell you right now, and I'll say it again, is that you can tell when Satan gets involved in anything in our lives because Satan divides and Jesus multiplies, okay? So you can analyze anything in your life that's going on, and if it's dividing people, if it's putting people apart from you, guess who's involved? Hello, it's not Jesus. Jesus brings together, Jesus brings multiplication. Satan divides. And sometimes what divides us or what brings us to offense is this idea that we have been treated unfairly. So let me say this again, God is not fair, he never has been fair. He never will be fair. Our story today illustrates the fact that Jesus is not fair. What is the master's response to those who basically said, hey, this isn't fair. We have worked all day and received a day's wage when people worked one hour, also received an equal day's wage. And what was, what was the vineyard owner's, the, the master's response to that? Matthew 20, verse 15 this is an important distinction. We go right over it, but it's, it's an important difference. He said this, is it not, what's the word? Lawful. He didn't use the word fair. Is it not fair for me to do what I wish with my own things? No, he said, he intentionally used this word. Is it not lawful? It is lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. And, there, and then he calls it out, or is your eye evil? What is, what is that a metaphor for? That is for envy. Or are you envious because I am generous? Okay? Important verse for us to, to catch here. A lot of times we, we equate fairness with justice. And we say the two are not related. They're not friends. They're not relatives. And they have nothing to do with each other. How, what, what's the difference? Why, what can I say? You say, well, fairness, justice? No, no, no. Those are the same things. No, 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 no. It is in our culture. Anytime you see the raised fist, we demand justice. What they're really demanding is fairness. This is not justice. This is, I am going to take what is yours. This is the sign of envy. And we are all about justice. Don't get me wrong. Should things be unjust? Absolutely not. Are things unfair? Yes, they are. And they will always be unfair. It is not fair that you look better than I do. So the master of the vineyard says this, it, it is lawful. It is lawful for me 
to do what I wish with my own things. Justice and fairness are two opposing ideas. They are often confused, we use it interchangeably, and to our destruction. It's important that we have critical thinking skills about this because otherwise we just get swept right into the way that the world operates, the way the world thinks, and to our, to our hurt, to our destruction. And, and you and I have to make this understanding. In, in the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea makes this statement. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because we don't understand these things, because we don't know these things, we find ourselves being destroyed. We may have some concern about our country right now and the racial divides, the violence that's happening. In our own country, this is not a through. Remember, years ago when you say, you say all these riots and unrest and b- buildings burn and, and all that, that used to be other places. That used to be other countries. Now it's our own, it's our own country. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you this week at the, at the general council that my wife and I attended, such a beautiful thing. People of color, white people, brown people, red and yellow, black and white, <laughs> embracing and loving each other. Don't you believe the things that you see in here, that we are a divided country. We are not as divided as they are making us believe. They are, they are planting the seeds of our destruction, ginning up our anger about a perceived lack of fairness. You know, you want to chase fairness, you will chase it all of your life and never get it because that is not the way the world works. Justice is everything that fairness is not. Fairness is, what did I just say? (laughs) Justice is defined. We can define justice. It is written down. How do we act justly? By living according to the law. Okay? The law says I should drive, you know, 45 miles an hour on the spur highway through Kenai, Alaska. Then that is the law. And you know what? It applies to me whether I'm black or white or yellow or red. It's written down. It's defined. It says in this, in this section of highway, this is the law. And if I break that law, then I pay the consequences of breaking that law. And it's, the, and it's for me whether I'm male or female or black or white or yellow or red or whatever. That is the law. And it's defined and it's the same to everyone. And it doesn't change. It shouldn't change. True Justice, and I'll underscore that by saying true justice, is applied the same to every person. It was the founding principle of our country, equal protection under the law. As being undermined by the concept of fairness, I don't know about you, with great disturbance in my own soul, reading and in some cases seeing um, it played out on television, uh, people now who walk into places of business steal whatever's on the shelf and walk out without paying for it with no penalty whatsoever. And they're saying, no, they're not breaking the law. Well, yes, they are. They, they took goods that I had purchased to sell to make a living. And they come in here and they just take everything and they leave without paying. Well, you have to understand 
is that life doesn't treat them fairly, so this makes it fair. Says who? Nobody asks the store owner, is this fair? Is this okay with you? Probably not. When we start replacing justice with fairness, the foundations are destroyed. The writer of Psalm 100, or the Psalm writer 11.3 cries out, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The, uh, the idea of fairness is only in the eyes of the beholder what's fair. The definer. You know, uh, we hear this phrase, and we'll probably hear it a lot more, is that, you know what? You aren't paying your fair share of taxes. Oh, I'm really meddling now, huh? You're not paying your fair share. Well, who gets to find fair? The powerful. The people who have the power to take what you have because they're envious. Your fair share. It's, uh, it sounds like, oh yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah, things should be fair, right? Things should be fair. But they get to define fair. And God doesn't treat us that way. He treats us in a just way. When Jesus, or when I say Jesus, I mean the Father, God, when God speaks, it is eternal. God doesn't waste words. God doesn't sit around talking, you know, somebody saying, oh yeah, did you see those TikTok videos, those crazy cats? I mean, oh my goodness. He doesn't, he doesn't talk like that. When God speaks, it is forever, it is eternal. When God speaks, it's law, it's truth, it is justice. That's why you'll never see God in negotiations about his lack of fairness. You'll see God having something to say about justice and mercy because everything that God has to say, it is rooted in law, becomes law, and it is, there are absolutes, things that never change. God's word is law. What God spoke in the beginning is, applies equally today. There's this idea that somehow scripture should change based on our concept of fairness. Well, today we think it's not fair to treat certain people this way, even if what they're doing is what God's word says is wrong. Now, we should treat all people with respect and love. Let me underscore that. But in, in terms of, of approving or applauding their lifestyle choices, no. And that may be unfair, but it is just. Why? Because that has been the same since the beginning to every generation, every race, every gender, to today. And, and that is because there are absolutes. When God speaks, it is in absolutes. God, as I said, doesn't waste words. He doesn't say things that don't matter, things that don't apply. He never says that. Whatever God speaks is forever. And if God said, this is wrong, that is an absolute. There's not exception to it, it's wrong. It's not like, well, you don't understand. Oh, believe me, God understands. <laughs> God understands, we don't understand. We see just such, such a small picture. You know, we sometimes see this in our children. My grandchildren, uh, the other day, were, were passing by a cemetery, and uh, my grandson, Stephen, who is five, asked, what is, what is that place? And my granddaughter, Violet, who is uh, 
how old is Faye? Is she eight years old now? My goodness. She said, oh, she said, that's where all the people in the world go when they're dead. And, uh, you know, such a small perspective on the world, kind of got the right idea there, but doesn't understand the big picture, right? And, and that's the way we are. Sometimes we just see this little bit of the world and we think it's the whole picture. And, and it's such a small piece, small piece of the pie. We believe in absolutes. We believe that there are things that are absolutely right and there are things that are absolutely wrong. When you, when you begin to inject fairness into the picture, there are no absolutes. You have to say, well, um, you know, you have to understand, you know, what they did used to be wrong, but because of these unfairnesses, uh, you know, it's okay. And, and we as believers, we cannot go there. We cannot compromise what God has spoken. Um, God's word spells these things out for us. Christians now seem to be in the wrong because we believe in absolutes. We are being marginalized in our own uh, culture. Uh, we are to be concerned with justice, with what the law of God says, and not with the doctrine of man, which is fairness. What does God require of us? That's the question we should be asking. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says this, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? <laughs> There's a reason why the word fairness is not in there. But to be fair, that's not what God expects of us, not what God requires of us. Justly, uh, to love mercy and walk in humility with God. Now let me say this, is that one of the reasons why we chafe a little bit at justice is because it can be harsh and unyielding. The Old Testament was about law, and what we found out is that we cannot live by the law. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned, right? We have all broken the law. We've all broken God's law. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what do we do about this? Is that we, we're trying to abide by laws that we can't even keep. Nobody can. Maybe we could illustrate it this way. If you were in a court of law and you had broken a law. And that law said that if you break this law, you will spend 100 days in jail. That's what the law would say. So there would be no choice. You broke the law, maybe there's some circumstances, you know, that uh, should apply there, but the law says you broke the law 100 days in jail, there you go. But there's this incredible thing that balances justice with mercy. God's attribute is justice, absolutely, but he also has the attribute of mercy. We serve a merciful God. So if you're standing before a judge and what you did, you broke the law and he asks you a question, do you want justice? You would say, your honor, I do not want justice. I want mercy. <laughs> and we serve a merciful God. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the penalty? You know, it's like, you break this law, you spend 100 days in jail. 
You break God's law, and what does it say? For the wages of sin is what? Death. Every one of us have transgressed the law of God, and we deserve death. Justice is harsh. But in that same verse, that's Romans 6.23, of course. For the wages of sin is death, but God is merciful. (laughs) And what does that look like? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's justice and mercy. They have kissed. (laughs) And when we stand before God, wouldn't be smart to stand before the judge of all the earth and say, I demand justice because the penalty of what we've done has been spelled out. It's not arbitrary. It's there. We willingly chose to sin, but we bow before that great God and judge of all the earth, and we say, mercy, mercy. We serve a merciful God, too. And justice and mercy does not equal fairness. God's justice must be satisfied, but his mercy makes a way for us. If you see a sentence that says, 100 days in jail with 90 suspended, what does that mean? Mercy. Mercy. If you'll begin to think critically about some of the things that you see and hear concerning justice in our country, understand most of it masquerades in a very deceptive way that is really fairness. It will, it will clarify much to you. Fairness, the concept of fairness, people demanding fairness, is based on envy. It leads to anger, and it creates offense. So when the foundation are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Remember this, that God is still on the throne. <laughs> Justice will prevail. No matter what men will do to wipe away the structure built upon the foundation of God's law, the foundations will forever remain. I love Isaiah 40, verse, verses 7 and 8. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. And God will have his justice in the end. Sin and unrighteousness will not go unpunished forever. God's justice must be satisfied. The one true righteous judge will come to judge the nations and give mercy to those who long for mercy and justice to those who forsake mercy. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 says this, Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who have loved his appearing. And last thought this morning, if the worship team will come. The Lord will remain righteous. He does not change. His nature is justice and righteousness, and he requires the same. What does the Lord require of me, you? But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord our God. This morning, I don't know where you are in all of this. I don't know if I've made you mad. I don't know if you've understood what I've said today. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this, and it wouldn't surprise me if you've never heard this before. 
But I pray this is that you'll, under, you'll, you'll you give time to understand this and you'll look into God's word and see that God is not a fair God. God is just. And he's also merciful. So going back to Romans 3.23, we're all in the same boat. We're all lawbreakers. The heavy hand of justice will fall on us for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because we have broken that law, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But a merciful God has offered us that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what do we do? Well, we believe Romans 10.10 says this, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? From the penalty of the law. That's what you will be saved from. And you can do that today by reaching out to Jesus right now. Would you bow your heads?